Grab your phone and go on Instagram. Here we go. I'm in. What am I looking for? Okay, so type the word exarhia into the search box. Exarhia. Yes. Okay. E X A R C H I A. There's a hashtag. Yeah, that's it. Twelve and a half thousand posts. Okay, cool. And what can you see? This is kind of a weird mix here. All right, so I am seeing photos of uh, black-clad protesters with banners. Uh, it looks like the symbol for anarchy. They're shooting off flares. Graffiti looks to be political graffiti. Anything else? A picture of a gun. Well, here's the other weird thing. There's another completely different set of coffee shops and what looks like baked goods in cafes, and it's all jumbled up in this one hashtag. People throwing Molotov cocktails and beautifully shot pictures of cappuccinos. So, what am I looking at here? What is Exarchia. Well, Exarchia is the name of a district in central Athens that has often been described by the press as an anarchist enclave. It's famous in Greece for its radical left-wing politics, but in recent years, it's also become a bit of a magnet for tourists, and that has made some people very angry. It will be funny, they say. Come to Exarchia, they say. Tourists go home. I'm Mike Wendling, and this is the BBC Trending Podcast, where each week we take an in-depth look into the world of social media. With me today, our reporter Jessica Bateman. Hiya. I've been spending some time in Exarchia meeting the people who live there, the political activists, the long-term residents and the business owners. They accuse social media, along with holiday rental websites like Airbnb, of changing their neighbourhood beyond recognition. It's gentrification, they say, and along with it comes social problems, higher rents and people being pushed out. Sounds like a familiar story. It's happening in cities all around the world, such as New York, Lisbon, Hong Kong. But there are some obvious benefits to tourism and gentrification, such as the money, which many Greeks sorely need after years of financial austerity. Coming up, we'll walk the streets to find out whether Exarchia's activists really have a point. So, Jessica, I've never been to Exarchia myself. I haven't even been to Athens, but you live in the city. Do you know the area quite well? Yes. Um, Exarchia is one of those places where if you live in Athens, you'll probably have gone there for a beer or to eat out or maybe to buy books or records because it's got some great shops. But if you're new in town, then here's what you need to know. Exarchia is bang in the middle of the city, pretty much within walking distance of all those landmarks that come to mind when you think of Athens, such as the Parthenon, the Agora, all those incredible buildings from ancient Greece. But Jessica, you also mentioned politics. How does that fit in? Yeah, that's right. Exarchia is unique in Athens because historically it's been a hub of radical left-wing politics and a meeting point for different anarchist groups, partly because of its large student community. Exarchia used to be in the middle of uh, universities, the Polytechnic University, the pedagogy, the physics and the law school. That's Tassos Segris, a self-styled anarchist who's lived and worked in Exarchia on and off for most of his life. 
So Exarchia became the center of counterculture in the center of Athens, with bars, clubs, and uh, rock bars and rock clubs. And uh, also, it started to be like a meeting point for uh, young people from all around Athens that uh, they were part of the counterculture. Inside this cultural environment, slowly, slowly through the years, this started to be like a center of uh, organized anarchists around uh, different social causes. And I have to say, it's this political identity that perhaps first hits you when you arrive in Exarchia. The buildings are covered in colorful and often political graffiti. The posters on the walls call for demonstrations. Some casually invite you to an evening of poetry against the state. The same state that, after a new centre-right government was elected in July, vowed to clean up what they described as lawlessness in the area. The question about Exarchia is not one of repression. It's how a historical neighbourhood of Athens will find again its rhythm, its life, how we will cooperate with the municipality to help the rebirth of this neighbourhood. On the repression, yes, there is police intervention in Exarchia, as that is everywhere in Athens. That was Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis you heard there. And here's why the future of Exarchia has become part of his political agenda. Many conservative politicians in Greece have, for years, described Exarchia as a hotbed of left-wing terror groups, drug abuse and criminality. So, shortly after taking office, the new government ordered police raids to empty a number of squats in the area, buildings occupied by anarchists, migrants and asylum seekers. Some of these squats had become dangerously overcrowded, with reports of violence emerging every now and then. But when the police raids began, many residents were suspicious and felt the government's actions were driven by ideology rather than a genuine concern for public safety. So this reputation for lawlessness and these police raids, have they turned people off from visiting? Not quite. There are still plenty of tourists milling around and more on the way. And even though anarchists themselves like to say the police don't dare enter Exarchia, this is also not quite right. Instead, I'd say they have a rather tense relationship. It is the worst rioting that Greece has seen in decades. Many fires have been set in Athens. In the Back in 2008, a policeman shot and was later convicted of murdering a 15-year-old schoolboy in the area, which sparked huge riots. Since then, the police generally limit their presence in central Exarchia, but can often be found at the edge of the district with tear gas canisters and riot gear on full display. When they get too close, they often clash with members of these radical groups or just teenagers looking to cause trouble. It's what some residents jokingly call Molotov cocktail parties. But going back to your original question, yes, there are tourists. But here's the thing. Some people in Exarchia feel the type of visitors coming into the neighbourhood have changed in recent years. They say people no longer come because they're interested in radical politics, but instead because they just want cheap rooms in central Athens. And because there are more tourists than ever, they say, this has added to the pressures felt in the neighbourhood. So people's anger has started boiling over. Take a look at this. It will be funny, they say. Come to Exarchia, they say. Take our homes, they say. For us not to have to live, eh? Tourists go home. Wow. Okay, 
let me describe what we're seeing here. It's a Facebook video. It was posted a couple of months ago. And you have what appears to be a group of tourists walking away from someone, a person, a woman who's filming this. Uh, some of those tourists, uh, they look pretty touristy. They have backpacks on and everything. They're looking back nervously at the camera. But the woman who is filming this can't be seen. She's not in the picture. We had to edit out a curse word she used, but you get the message. Some people in Exahia are really unhappy about this new wave of tourists that have arrived in their neighbourhood. Where on Facebook did you find this video? So I found it on a page called Exahia Tourism. What? Yep. Um, one of the people managing the page, and not the woman in the video, agreed to speak to us. And they wanted to remain anonymous because they fear retaliation by the authorities. So we asked one of our colleagues to voice their answers for us. And as you might have guessed, yes, there was some mischief in the way they chose to name the page. That was specifically to catch people's eyes. That's all that was. The main goal of the page is to incite action against gentrification. That word, gentrification, is one I heard again and again from people in Exahia. They complain about the way tourism is transforming the neighbourhood. We have a lot of tourists that are coming in here specifically to check out Exahia, like the street art or something like that. But in my opinion, most of the people who are coming in are really just looking for cheap rent or to have their cheap vacation. And really, I think the amount of people who are coming here to specifically check out Exahia for what it is is pretty low. We're not against tourism at all, actually. We're against the economic model of tourism that is essentially just tearing up cities, spitting them out and making them look different. That's what's been going on around the world everywhere. And much of that anger that you can feel there has been directed at one tech company in particular, one that is worth more than $35 billion, Airbnb. Hand-built hideaways castles in the clouds, and bungalows with a beach outback. On Airbnb.com, you can book and stay in any one you like. In case you're not familiar, Airbnb allows people to rent rooms, flats, or entire houses to other people. It's a California company more than a decade old, credited with disrupting the hotel industry in much the same way that companies such as Uber and Lyft disrupted the taxi industry. The cost of an Airbnb can be quite low compared to your average hotel, and it's been so successful it's rapidly spread all around the world. So I assume that if you go on Airbnb, you'll find plenty of places to stay in Exarhia? Yes, if you search for Exarhia on Airbnb, hundreds of results turn up. But to understand why some residents there are so upset about the platform, let's hear again from Tassos, the self-styled anarchist we heard from earlier. Many families, they have like a spare house or a second house that they can rent. So many families, they started to see this as a possibility of a small income, as a solution to the economic problems. In the same time, there were like investors that they started to buy houses around Exarchia and the center of Athens to buy them cheap because the people that was in trouble. So it was easy to find houses to buy, you know, in small prices. Greece was particularly hard hit by the economic crisis, which began more than a decade ago. That put pressure on families, and some turned to Airbnb as a way to make some extra money on the side. But that's not all. In 2013, the Greek government, trying to kickstart the country's economy, created so-called golden visas for wealthy foreigners. 
If they invested more than $275,000 in property, then they get a five-year residence permit, which, because Greece is a member of the European Union, would give them access to the European market. Right. So that's why you had all these investors suddenly buying houses in Exarchia. Yes, and often turning them into Airbnbs. So those factors combined to drive up the demand for flats and houses in Exarchia. Here's Tassos again. The last years we see that um, the rents going higher, and especially in Exarchia because it is in the center of the city and because it is a touristic area, you know, and also we can see that it's more difficult for young people and especially for young students, you know, like to find houses in Exarchia. And so families who can't afford higher rents are forced to move out to cheaper areas. And this generally, in a long term, you know, like it will produce like an abandoned uh, center in the city that will um, produce a lot of problems, also social problems, but also in the culture of the city and in the atmosphere of the city. This feeling of resentment against Airbnb is very clear when you walk around Exahia. I'm thinking of a particular street where I went, where if you looked on the pavement, you saw the words less B&B, more TNT spray painted there. And if you looked up, you also saw this black banner tied between a tree and a lamppost with the message, Airbnb supporters go home, you are targets. Wow, that sounds like more than dislike, it sounds threatening. Not just that, on one occasion last month, unidentified attackers spray-painted the doors of Airbnb flats and destroyed their door locks. In a statement posted online, the supposed perpetrators wrote, Instagram tourists, the cops won't save you. You are not welcome here and you are not safe here. Landlord, your door is next. And remember the Facebook page we were talking about earlier, Exahia Tourism? Well, they also posted photos of this, so I asked their admin whether they condoned this sort of behaviour. Getting kicked out of homes is insightful. It's natural that in a place like Exahia, where people take direct action, they're going to take their frustrations on people that they see as ruining their neighbourhood. These attacks are meant to send a message, and the truth is that, unfortunately, this message sticks. And I have first-hand experience of that, because if you look at me, you can see very clearly that I look more Northern European rather than Greek. Yeah, it's the skin tone, isn't it? I don't want to make light of it, but Jessica, you're a little bit paler than the average Greek person, I think. Yeah, I burn rather than tan, I'll put it that way. Uh, so once I went walking around Exahia and I was mistaken for a tourist and I got shouted at. Yikes. Okay, so threatening language, vandalism, uh, shouting at reporters, uh, even when they're just walking down the street, sounds like it could escalate. Have there been actual physical attacks on tourists? None that we're aware of, but the intimidation is worrying Airbnb owners. Antonio rents out a number of properties here in Exahia. I met him in one of the new flats he's refurbishing. There's dust on the floor, furniture piled up all around the room. All of Antonio's properties are listed on Airbnb, so he's very aware of people's anger around here. I bought this place, we are now about 20 months earlier, and I still didn't open because I was afraid of this. I said, let's wait to see what happens. They don't have right to tell me what I do with my property. If they want cheap uh, flat, when the flats they were selling for 3,000 euros, they could go and buy. They cannot tell me what to do. 
Antonio worked as a banker for 16 years until, he says, he lost his job during the crisis. These days, he describes himself as an anarchist. Wait, an anarchist landlord? Yep, you heard me right. A former banker turned anarchist who owns flats. But he doesn't share the views of many of the radical groups around here. This would do it to survive with the bills because the bills, they went so high that the people, they cannot survive. I cannot find the job. So I had to survive. If the people, they are lazy and they don't want to work, they cannot complain about the prices because the prices went down because of the crisis. Now they went about the same for what it was before the crisis. Why they didn't complain about the crisis? What Antonio is suggesting there is that prices haven't actually risen. They've just gone back to what they were before the crisis. Now, there's no official data to back up that theory, but we found academic research suggesting that since 2016, rents have gone up by about 30%. And yet, while Airbnb may have disrupted the status quo, it has also allowed people like Antonio to make a living when jobs were hard to come by. But remember, the economic crisis hit Greece particularly hard. It still has the highest unemployment rate in the whole of the European Union. It's the only EU country where the minimum wage is now lower than it was 10 years ago. Jessica, there's one party in this story that we haven't heard from yet. The tourists. What do they think of all this? As I walked around Exahia, I met a few visitors. Some were disappointed about how hip the whole area had turned out to be. Others were just amazed by the amount of political graffiti. But perhaps the most interesting of all was Emily from Cyprus. We've seen so many signs saying, like, Airbnbers, go home, you're not welcome, and... How does that make you feel like uh, as, as <laughs> Yeah, like, honestly, we stayed in an Airbnb and I, I feel kind of bad, like, that we're kind of contributing to people not being able to pay their own rent. Would it make you um, reconsider where you stayed if you came to visit again? Um, yeah, but I'd probably still go down the, the Airbnb route, to be honest. <laughs> Just affordability. We asked Airbnb what they had to say about the situation in Exahia and the accusations many residents have made against them. They sent us a statement where they said... While guests using Airbnb account for just 7% of visitors to Greece, they boosted the Greek economy by 1.2 billion euros last year alone. And more than half of hosts globally, who keep up to 97 cents of every euro they charge say the additional income helps them afford their homes. And they added... We take local concerns seriously and we will continue working with the government to promote sustainable, people-powered travel that makes Greek communities stronger. Now, for the last leg of our journey today, let me tell you a story that I think perfectly illustrates this struggle, this difficult balancing act we've been talking about between radical activists and tourists who are just looking for a cheap place to stay, between history and change, and between different visions of what Exahia is and what it should be. My name is Rebecca Skivaki and I'm the manager of Urban Adventures in Greece. Rebecca is Greek-Australian and runs a number of tours in Athens, one of them here in Exahia. It's called Sweet Anarchy and it's meant to be a sugary introduction to the neighbourhood. Commuting every day to work and uh, actually being ourselves customers to these uh, sweet shops, 
we thought, okay, everybody's talking about how wild the Exarchia are, about the demonstrations and about all this, um, I would say, the darker side of it. We, though, as individuals, not that we don't see also that grey zone, but we also see the bright and beautiful zone of it. So we thought, okay, why not walk the people through an interesting neighbourhood when it comes not only to its past, but also its present, but through a more sweet approach. The problem was, when the community got wind of her tour, she got a lot of criticism for charging more than $60 for a tour that supposedly showcased the area's problems. Poverty tourism, some cried. A media storm was set, and it certainly didn't help that the tour was being promoted on, you guessed it, Airbnb, among other platforms. I think the time was ripe because there were a lot of ongoing news on the press, on the radio, everywhere about the effect of Airbnb in Greece. And I think that's why they associated us more with that. There are some people who would argue that perhaps like taking tourists in on a paid tour to look around an area that does have quite a lot of social problems. There's a lot of um, refugees in the area. There's a lot of um, homeless people and drug addiction. There are some people who would argue that that constitutes a kind of like poverty safari or um, voyeurism. And what, what would you say to that type of criticism? You'll see the things that you mentioned, I would say all around each city, each big capital globally, and not really only in Exarchia. Rebecca tells me there are parts of Exarchia that she avoids in her tour in order not to provoke the people who live there. But while she's tried to convey the message that there's more to Exarchia than social problems and radical politics, some tourists are still being lured by the promise of an anarchist haven. Social media, yes, it might have done it good because more people are aware of this uh, neighbourhood but on the other hand I think as always it exaggerates a little bit the picture about it I mean we've had people like emailing us and was like oh lovely we are going to do a tour and it's going to include riots and we're going to be throwing bombs uh not really <laughs> we don't it's not in, even in our future plans but no the tour is doesn't take place when something is happening. Oh my gosh, what is happening to the world? I know, but here's the thing. Exarchia is a pretty unique place in Greece, a bastion of radical politics, but the challenges that it's facing are similar to those faced by a number of cities around the world. How often have we heard about cities, entire neighbourhoods, supposedly losing their character as they slowly become more affluent? The rents go up and suddenly the old corner shop is replaced by a hipster coffee shop. Maybe you feel this is a natural flow of things, that cities are living organisms that change and evolve, or maybe you feel such change needs to be stopped at all costs. Whichever your politics, one thing is for sure, it's the future of our cities that we're talking about here. And chances are you'll see it on Instagram. Special thanks to Jessica Bateman for bringing us that story. Our podcast was produced by Marco Silva. Sarah Jackson was our production coordinator. I'm Mike Wendling, and if there's anything you'd like to tell me about today's program or any of our programs, just send me an email. My email, michael.wendling, that's W-E-N-D-L-I-N-G, at bbc.co.uk. And remember, come and find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. Just search for BBC Trending. 
Just before we go, there's time for one last recommendation, a BBC World Service podcast that we've been binging on. Octopuses, the mosquitoes, a woodpecker, fireflies, mussels, geckos, sea otters, termites, and cartwheeling desert spiders. The natural world is full of problem solvers. That, that, tardigrades. They've had millions of years to test things out. This predatory fish in the world. Now, it's our turn to take inspiration from them. Exciting new clue of the future. Extend the time that we can preserve transplant organs. Make enjoying ice cream. 30 animals that made us smarter. Dolphins. Bombardier beetles. From the BBC World Service. Butterflies. Peacocks. The podcast which investigates the amazing ways in which animals have inspired us. Future of pain-free injection. Just search for 30 animals that made us smarter wherever you found this podcast. Teach us how to extract water right out of the air. This stuff is better than science fiction.